back again with another episode of the Whole Brother Mission podcast, quarantine edition. Uh, the coronavirus has shut everything down. So, guys, I had a nice little in-person video set up as far as interviewing people in person. But, you know, I'm trying to be obedient and practice social distancing and be safe. So our next episode uh, is going to be covering the idea of suppressed trauma amongst black men. Now, obviously, this is something that I've considered and thought about, but this was a suggestion from my guest today, Avery Rosser. Uh, he's a partner counselor with the Whole Brother Mission and also the founder of We Climb Counseling and Consulting based in Snellville, Georgia. I got all that right? You got it right. All right. I'm trying to do do, do all the things well. Uh, so I'm glad to have him on with us. And he told me, uh, I was like, man, you know, let's just have a conversation. Let it go wherever you have in mind. And he mentioned that topic of suppressed trauma amongst black men, which I think is a very real thing that we often don't consider. But before jumping in with the topic, could you give us, uh, give the audience some insight as to how you got into counseling? Why did that spark your interest? Oh, wow. Yeah, actually, man, initially, I wasn't even trying to be a counselor. Uh, mm -hmm. My whole, uh, what I wanted to do was practice law. I wanted to, to be an attorney for the Supreme Court. And up into my last semester of my undergrad uh, year, I literally woke up one morning and was like, I don't want to be a lawyer. And this mm. is at the time I'm studying for the LSAT. Like I've done internships and uh, I've been involved in mentoring programs for, for law. And like I said, I woke up one morning and was like, I, don't, I do not want to go to law school. I'm not sure if it was fear or if it was God. I'm going to say it was God. Um, mm -hmm. I went to my, my academic advisor, uh, Professor Downs. And I was like, Professor Down, I know you've been, you know, uh, put me in these positions to 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 be in to uh, to practice law, but I don't want to do it anymore. And she's like, Have you ever thought about being a counselor? I'm like, uh, No, not really. And uh, she was like, Yeah, I think you'll be really good. And I see how you interact with your fraternity brothers and with your family um, and with your friends. And I think this probably would be a really good uh, profession for you to go in. And our school um, has a really great program. So. You know, one thing led to another, and I was the only African-American male in my program, uh, one mm -hmm. of probably four, four men, and the only African-American man in my program. Yeah. So that, that led me to here, man. Okay. So down for that. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, there's a, a debt of gratitude definitely due there, and I think, uh, think was it, is that a he or a her? Uh, her. Her. OK, yeah, I, I would thank her as well, because I, I definitely appreciate having you on the team and your, your support of what we do and uh, the, the attention and detail you put toward the, cl the, the clients as well. So definitely uh, something that's appreciated. So in terms of our topic today, the idea of suppressed trauma amongst black men, there are a lot of words I hear and see. Right in terms of a lot of different cultures. So there's there's, there's I think you can call them buzzwords that you hear. And, I, and mainly it's Twitter where it really goes down. And then you hear where it's like toxic. You hear where it's like the universe and energy and uh, trauma is one of those words as well. And a lot of people mean a lot of different things. And I honestly think that because trauma has kind of become a buzzword, it's gotten to the point where it's used to label things that are more so should be labeled inconvenience, <laughs> not necessarily trauma. Uh, because trauma has, has some weight to it. 
So a lot of people, when they hear that, they think a lot of different things. So in terms of wanting to discuss that today, what did you have in mind and what do you mean by it? What I mean by it is the psychological impact that uh, an event may have on our lives, um, whether that was the death of a loved one, whether that was uh, uh, some adverse event that happened in your life, whether it was an, a car accident, whether it was seeing someone uh, murder in front of you, uh, if you were uh, abused as a child or as an adult. So mm-hmm. that, that, that psychological impact, that psychological and emotional impact that that event has on your life and your ability to cope and your ability to function on a day-to-day basis. So when I refer to trauma, I'm, t- I'm talking in regards to that psychological, emotional impact that that event has on your life. Um, so, so that's pretty much what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Got it. So we have this idea of trauma down. Now, when you talk about it being uh, suppressed, what does that look like? Or is that What's something you've observed like in the in session more so? Um, it's it's something I've observed in session. I've observed within myself, okay. uh, within family members. Um, when when I talk about suppressed trauma within African American, uh, within African American men, um, in particular, I'm talking about a species of individuals that how we process trauma. First of all, we don't even call it trauma. Uh, we call it our norm. It's just another day. Um, and just in just in just in in that term within itself, just minimizing that that word um, causes us to experience things in a totally different way than our uh, than, than women or uh, than black women or white women or white men. Uh, we've been taught from an early age to to bury our pain. And as I, as I start to think about it, I start, and I'll have a conversation with a lot of my friends, I always ask them, when was the first time you were taught that it was not okay to be, to be vulnerable? And the, the number one answer that I, that I received from everybody was like, I remember when I first learned to ride my bike. And when I fell off my bike, I was told to get up, tough it out, be a man, you're a boy, tough it out. So that made me think, I was like, wow, what did that do to us at that age where we were taught that it wasn't okay to hurt, that expressing mm. your pain, whether it was physical or not, isn't okay. It's a sign of weakness. And so as I, as I start to, to do more research and start to talk and interact with more clients, um, I'm seeing that that is the commonality amongst us all, especially within uh, black men, is that we were taught that it's not okay to say that we're not okay. And because of that, we turn to other things to help us process or cope, so to speak, whether that's, um, whether, whether it's aggression, whether it's uh, alcohol or drugs. Um, whether it's hypersexuality, we turn to those particular things to teach us how to cope. And I'll, uh, I'll preface that by, by quoting uh, Meat Mills in uh, one of his songs, uh, Traumatized. He says, uh, ain't no PTSD, them drugs keep it at ease. And 
I'm starting to hear Meek Mills. I'm starting listening to his lyrics and uh, listening, looking at this uh, documentary that he has. And he talks about just early on witnessing so many people around him die, but being taught that as a boy that it's not okay to express yourself. And because of that, turning to drugs, lean, Percocets, uh, violence as a way to express our emotion. That's a way to get out whatever that emotion is that we're experiencing. So my mission is to destigmatize trauma within our community and to make it a more uh, a open dialogue with men of color to say, you know what? We've all at some point of our lives experienced some sort of trauma. And let them know that, man, it is, it's okay to, to say that you hurt um, as a result of this. Um, <clears throat> so, so for me, it's being able to have that, that dialogue uh, with men that look like me to say, you know what? We hurt just like the next person. And the things that we've gone through, it, it's, it's not normal. For us, we, it, it's become our norm which causes us to kind of become numb to it. But what happens is the older we get, the more that trauma starts to come out. The effects of that trauma starts to come out the older we get. And the older we get, the harder it becomes for us to address that trauma. Why? We've gone so long <clears throat> saying that it was nothing. We've gone so long minimizing. We've gone so long... Um, pretending that we was okay. So to to take the mask off, so to speak, and to let people say know that we're vulnerable, we, we're afraid that people are gonna see us as weak. And that's where we we gotta address it and we gotta get out of that mentality because it's gonna continue to to affect us. And this is gonna be something that as as a father of a 12 year old boy if I don't know how to express my hurt, I'm going to project that same pattern of behavior on my son, which is going to teach him to express his hurt and his pain in the same manner. So for me, it's like, I got to be able to address my own pain in hopes that I break that generational curse for, for my son. Um, so I do a lot of talking with just men of color, man, about just trauma about pain um i see so many men come into my office so many black men come into my office and initially they come in they're they're ambivalent uh they may be minimizing what they're experiencing and then when we get into the crux of the matter we all what we come to find out that there's some sort of underlining trauma that is causing them to respond in the way they're responding now 10 times out of 10 Every time a black man comes in my office, we always end up addressing an underlining trauma that they felt was not okay to address at an earlier age. Yeah. So basically, that's the interview right there. <laughs> you covered <laughs> <laughs> covered it all, man. I'm like, wow. So yeah, that that's great for starters. There's so many things to to unpack there. So. Let's let's go back. I'm I'm with you 100 percent. I have the same observation and I want to affirm that I agree and see that because I'm sure you know this. For brothers, a lot of times this denial thing is real 
and you say minimizing and i oftentimes have to say well well nah it's deeper than you think or there's more to it than you think it's not as small as you're trying to make it or it's no big deal so i stand with you and saying no it is a big deal it's a real thing because many of us you know use that excuse of well you know you're making it more than what it is um so i agree with you on that and then two i i want to add that there were two aspects of uh, what you mentioned that I wanted to highlight, because in terms of with the whole brother mission, we have people coming in and being connected with counselors like yourself. But in addition to that, we wanted to offer resources that go beyond the session, because when the session's over, they still have to people still have to figure out, all right, what do I do from here? or How do I deal with this thing? And you can't call your counselor 24 seven all the time. Uh, so, there's some nuance into how we deal with this. So I I got with some others, had some uh, some of our board contribute to it, but um, it'll be out soon. But we have a book coming out called Whole Brother, Debunking the Myths that Break the Black Family. Oh, wow. And in the beginning, we're addressing this idea that you mentioned toward the end of what you just said is what the interaction is between the father and the son. So in the beginning, we're addressing fatherhood. But from the middle on to the end of the book, each chapter is addressing a myth that we as black men tend to believe about masculinity. And two of them are what you already just mentioned. And one is I I label it distractions as solutions. So that's when we run to drugs, sex or alcohol as the solution to the issue itself. But then the other myth is that emotions are feminine. And and this is this idea that uh, that's just something that's reserved for women when reality is something that's reserved for humans, Absolutely. not just not just women. So I think those realities I've observed as well. And the way I think we kind of turn this hat on this is having conversations like this so that it's not just the uh, you know, because I think people look at people that are older, people that are in spiritual offices or people that are counselors like yourself that have titles, they look at them as that's something you have to ascend to. But as people begin, like with this podcast, begin to have these conversations like in the barbershop or in the basement or while you're just chilling, I think it normalizes it more. Absolutely. This isn't just coming from someone that's on an ivory tower. But now, like, I've been going through some stuff, and that's why I appreciate uh, the connection with hip-hop as well when rappers begin to talk about it. And I think the example you used of Meek Mill is perfect in the sense of we've kind of normalized escapism. Uh, and a lot of guys, if that father isn't there, because then fatherlessness is another whole issue, they end up learning from uh, rappers. And I think that ends up being a cycle, too. And it's, I don't want to seem like I'm knocking rappers or hip hop, but a lot of those guys come from really rough environments, are fresh out of jail. And then they find uh, a viable career in making music. And although they're successful financially, they're still kind of bankrupt emotionally and mentally because they haven't dealt with those issues. So they're then passing on their destructive way of dealing with things in their music to guys who don't know any better. Right. So, yes, I think what you just said is huge. And this this is what we're trying to do with the whole brother mission to address these things. But I do think it starts with uh, with acknowledging it. You know, we, we pretend like so many things are there and we try to stay busy to not deal with it. But I think my recommendation I try to make is in our personal relationships, like 
say something. If you see something, say something. Don't just take the mindset. That's none of my business. You know, if you have a friend who's went through some stuff, take the time to talk to him about it. And I'll go even further to say, in me trying to practice that in my own life, I end up being everybody's best friend, specifically as it relates to my, my male friendships. I'm always labeled everybody's best friend. And I don't think I'm that great. <laughs> I think it's just because I take an interest in, yo, that you that happened to you? You know, just at least that second question or taking interest is seen as amazing because so often we don't have that. So I, I'm with you 100 percent. And, you know, my recommendation is the personal side and trying to, to normalize these conversations. But now that we've identified the issue, what are your suggestions on dealing with such a big issue? Um, like you said earlier, the, the first step is self-recognition. There can't be growth without being able to recognize that there, there's a need for growth. So an individual must be open and receptive to, to looking at themselves and saying, okay, this isn't normal. Like what mm -hmm. I went through was not normal. And so my recommendation is to continue to just have platforms like this to be able to spread more awareness about how what we've gone through isn't isn't the norm and it's not okay and then it's okay to talk about your your experiences and uh, one of the things that you said oh yeah I thought was so good was um, barbershop talk mm -hmm. I'm bald <laughs> and I I, cut, and I I say that to say I cut my hair myself however I always find myself in a barbershop mm -hmm. why. Because that's where men go to vent and talk about life, right? Yeah. We don't often talk about mental health. So what I do is I take it up on myself to go in a barbershop to sit there and to spark conversations mm -hmm. about relationships, conversations about our mental health. And being able to spark those conversations in places where uh, we feel comfortable, right? For us as, as black men, it's about being comfortable, being around people in a comfortable environment to be able to share those experiences with. And a barbershop is one of the, one of the best places where we feel the most comfortable in. Think about all of the conversations mm -hmm. we have in a barbershop, right? We feel the most comfortable there. Um, so, so one of the things that I, I would suggest is anytime I go into a barbershop, I say, listen, we got to change it. Let's, let's, let's change the dynamic of the conversation. You know, we could talk about the women. We could talk about, you know, our, our pastimes, you know, uh, you know, from school and women or whatever. But let's talk about something that we, we normally don't discuss, which is our our mental wealth. Right. Yeah. I don't even say our mental health. I say our mental wealth, because this is what's going to make us money from being able if we're if we're sound mentally. then it's going to put us in position to increase our our our, our wealth. So let's address our let's have conversation to, to to talk about our mental wealth and how our mental wellness impacts our ability to prosper as as a human being. Mm -hmm. So we got to continue to just say, hey, what you've experienced wasn't normal. I had this conversation with um, one of my clients is a, a teenage African-American male, and he, he's gone through a lot. And he has a very hardened exterior. And we started talking about his experience. And he was like, one of his friends was like, man, 
you talk about him and his mom, uh, him having to take food home from school to feed his brother, him and his brother after school, because they didn't have food at home. So he said, "Man, I just thought that was that was normal. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was that was that was just the norm." So then I said, at what point did you realize that it wasn't normal? He said, when I moved with my dad and there was food on the table every day, I realized mm-hmm. what I experienced wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. So being able to have that shift in mentality to say, wait, hold on. So seeing that sort of violence, was it, was it, that's not normal, right? My dad wasn't there or seeing this or my dad not being present in my life, that, that that's not normal. So being able to acknowledge that and to acknowledge the emotions that are connected to those experiences are going to be key for us moving forward as black men healing. Mm-hmm. I think it was Frederick Douglass who said that it's it's easy, it's easier to help uh a hurt more than it is to build a broken man. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what he meant by that is that when we're at an earlier age, we're more likely to be receptive to getting help and to acknowledging that there is some sort of hurt there. The older we get as men, we become set in our ways. Right. Right. We become set up so set in our ways, so it becomes harder for us to be receptive to getting the help. So openness, receptiveness, is a, the formula that it's going to take for us to move forward and to heal and to live a healthier lifestyle because historically we haven't lived that we haven't lived that lifestyle we we haven't been healthy as 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 what we've tried to put on to 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 everybody else as you know that we are mm-hmm. you know we throw a picture on the ground and you know try to flex like everything is okay but Behind the scene, we're hurting, right? I'm doing this segment called Mask Off, right? And I think it's uh, after the the uh, the rapper is it uh, the future, future. I think Mas- yeah. Mask Off, right? For some reason, I get him and two chains mixed up, but but Future Mask Off. So we're what we're doing is I bought these white masks, and on the mask we're gonna write down just different um, different words to maybe describe something that we've experienced, whether it's pain, hurt. Uh, sex, whatever the case may be, and we're going to talk about what's underneath that mask. What is it that you're hiding? What is it that you're so afraid to show and acknowledge? And what does that mean for you to it? What would it mean for you to be able to acknowledge that openly and say, listen, yo, like, when I experienced that, that really hurt, all right? So we got to be open and we got to be receptive to learning about ourselves and to acknowledging the fact that what we've experienced is is is, is not is, is not normal. It isn't normal. Mm-hmm. So another step that I take is uh, trying to connect these ideas to aspects of life that are already prioritized. Mm-hmm. So I like how you connected it to the idea of money. Getting your mind right will definitely play a part in your wealth. And of course, this idea of money is already on our radar. We want to be successful. We want to stack as much as possible and so on and so forth. So that's that's helpful. But another route that I take is the the, the women route. And I think uh, something that guys don't realize is that we complain about uh, women who are, quote unquote, crazy uh, relationship issues, relationship drama and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. 
But a lot of times, you know, I, I've, and I, I don't want to brag with this, but I think a lot of times, you know, relationships aren't perfect. So everybody has some level of difficulty in romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But I think they can be a lot healthier and a lot more easygoing. And you'll hear a lot less of negativity about women. If like think of I remember the Chris Brown song, These Hoes Ain't Loyal. Um, I think that points to past relationship issues that he's still frustrated by. Absolutely. And it's, it's it's interesting. It's like, you know, when I see men vent about women in general, these women or whatever the case may be, I think it's red is a red hand is getting caught red handed showing, hey, you got you mad, <laughs> you know, that that's your ex, but you're still talking about or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up to say that we may not want to say it literally or this verbatim, but a lot of times we're still carrying a chip on our shoulder based off of a failed relationship with a woman in our past. And I've found that people do want to grow in that area and have less drama. And what I try to point to is, well, a successful relationship starts with a successful and healthy individual. So you have to do the the work yourself emotionally um, and deal with your trauma so that you're not taking that into your relationship. So one, I say that putting attention towards yourself and going back and dealing with the issues that are affecting you are going to have a direct impact on your romantic relationships, uh, your ability to deal with issues from the other side. But also, I think it's, it's worth putting your attention toward dealing with your trauma because we if we don't name it, then we really don't know what we're bringing into the relationship. Absolutely. So what I've also found is a lot of times we don't realize, you know, we just assume that as men, I'm an able bodied man. I'm interested in her. She's interested in me. Then I'm ready for a relationship. Let's let's go. But we don't consider how what has happened to us, we bring baggage into the relationship that could be damaging to her. Absolutely. And that is something that I found that a lot of guys don't really consider. It's like, well, what impact am I having on the women that I relate to? And I really won't know until I take the time to assess how I was damaged. Uh, and that's where I think the, the, the very common quote, hurt people, hurt people comes from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, just. From a personal standpoint, you know, I've lost both par- both parents. And even for myself, I always tell people, I'm a therapist and I have a therapist. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's important. I hurt just like anybody else hurts. Um, I, I, I experience pain, grief, just like the next person. Mm-hmm. And I have to be emotionally aware of that, that I have, have a certain level of emotional intelligence to be able to identify how my baggage will affect my family and not addressing those pains and those traumas uh, can will interfere with my relationship with my wife. Right. And I realized at one point, um, you know, going through therapy, after I lost my mom in 2012 and my wife being with me when I lost my dad in 2018 and how I, I found myself getting into a pattern of behavior where I wasn't expressing myself. Uh, in the best way. And then I became very short fused with my wife, mm-hmm. with my son. And then I had to think, I had to like snap and like, okay, Avery, what's like, you have to go, you have to get back into talking to somebody because this, you not talking about it, is spilling over into your marriage, it's spilling over into your relationship with your son. And that isn't healthy. So being able to be aware of that 
is key and acknowledge that. I so many times, man, like we fail to acknowledge how what we are experiencing is impacting that relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the we're not knowing what we're experiencing or we're too afraid to show or to to acknowledge to our significant others that hey yo i'm struggling i might need to go talk to somebody all right i've learned to be very open with my wife about that like if i'm hurting i'm like listen i'm about to reach out to my therapist you know i gotta go have a session because I don't want whatever I'm experiencing to spill over into that relationship, mm-hmm. right? I don't, like you said, I don't hurt people, hurt people. You know, I just because I'm hurting, I shouldn't want to make them suffering for them to hurt as well. But I have to be able to acknowledge that I feel and that I am hurting and that I that I can't deal with this on my own. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, not to be combative, but uh, I know that, as these conversations happen more about dealing with your hurt, dealing with your trauma and so on and so forth, and it being okay to feel, you know, I recognize that we're somewhat trailblazers in the sense of we're pushing up against years and years of the opposite being taught to black Mm -hmm. men. Like what we're saying for some is not, that's not true. That's not true. And I'm, I'm seeing also more and more, uh, the kind of tribe of the alpha male types, who would say that this conversation is a waste of time and no woman wants to hear about your trauma or your hurt. You have to man up that I have to be honest. That's a very real audience. If not the majority, I'm not sure about the numbers, but I know that that point of view is very common amongst both black men and women that Mm -hmm. there is an agenda to feminize or emasculate black men And some would argue that trying to have this conversation is making us weak. We just have to man up. No time to talk to a therapist. No time to cry. No time to hurt. You just got to keep it moving. I have my responses to that, but I want to give you an opportunity. uh, Having (laughs) with what I just presented, that mindset, how would you respond to that? Um, So... I always ask, always ask this question, what's the difference from emotional pain and physical pain? If you're in physical pain, if you have, let's say for whatever reason, you, I don't know, you broke your leg or you have diabetes, you're going to go talk to somebody. You're going to go to someone that can address whatever that pain is. Let's say physical pain. You, 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 you hurt, you sprung your ankle or something. You're going to go to someone, you, you're going to realize at some point that this pain is too much for you to bear alone. Right, my ankle isn't getting any better. It's still swelling. I can barely walk. It's it's impacting my ability to be mobile. Right. Mm-hmm. So at that point, what are you gonna do? You're gonna take ass to the doctor. You're gonna go to a doctor right. to address it. Right. There's no difference from your mental and emotional pain. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no difference. Because by you not addressing whatever your pain is internally, it's going to impact you just as that physical pain impacted mm-hmm. you. Yeah, and you still feel emotional pain in your body. It plays out in exactly. your body, too. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I have to be, I have to connect the dots to them. And most times when I, when, when I give that analogy, they're like, okay, well, no, I, I see that. If, if, if I'm depressed, if I'm anxious, and if it impairs my ability to work. Mm-hmm. It impairs my relationship. 
Yeah. I, okay, me toughing it out, saying, okay, well, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to ice it, right? I'm gonna ice it, you know, but it's not working. So what's left to do is to go to someone that is trained in helping you address whatever that pain is. There's no difference. Mm-hmm. And no I would from the physical pain and the emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And I would also add that in addition to that. For for the alpha male types, you know, this idea, and, I, and I'm not against that. I do think men should take responsibility, lead, be trailblazers, so on and so forth. I get that and support those ideas. But I think what the other side may not realize is that it's actually contradictory to their narrative to suppress and ignore and avoid things. It's actually cowardly to run away from something or ignore it. Absolutely. We're actually presenting a more masculine narrative by saying, no, deal with it head on. No, this Absolutely. happened to you years ago. It's affecting you. This bothered you. You didn't like it. OK, manning up is dealing with it head on and addressing it, not ignoring it. And ignoring it is being passive. Absolutely. I use that. I'm really glad that you spoke on that uh, because I say this all the time when I'm when I'm talking with veterans, um, when I'm talking with you know people within my office. I always say, you know, especially when I'm dealing with the military population, right? Talking about whatever my experience or my pain, we've been taught they were taught that it's a sign of weakness. And I say, wait, hold on, let's 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 think about that now. By you saying you hurt, by you you knowing you hurt, but not acknowledging you hurt, how is that weakness? That's actually the opposite. If I acknowledge that I feel hurt something, that is the that is that's showing strength. Mm-hmm. To be able to say, okay, I feel something that is, doesn't sit well with me, that's painful, and to express it, that is strength. Like you said, not acknowledging it is is really where I see what the weakness is, because you mm-hmm. can't say to me that is being weak. Yeah. If you can't say that I'm 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 hurting and acknowledge that I'm hurting, that is complete opposite of strength. Mm-hmm. And in closing, I think it'd be helpful to point out some things, because uh, I think a lot of times, regardless of what state we grew up in, a lot of us as black men and black people share the same experiences. You could be on the East Coast and I could be on the West Coast, but we all kind of have a lot of the same experiences unbeknownst to us. So I think there are some things that I've observed and I want you to kind of gather some, too. I'll go first that some things I've observed that I think uh, that we don't realize are traumatic or or damaging. Mm-hmm. One, I'll say, is the sexual side of things in our youth. Uh, I recently heard a rapper named uh, King Von um, who was speaking on a, a podcast, and he was talking about how when he was younger, a teenager, 15, 16, uh, he had to get around because he didn't have a car. He didn't have money so that there were women who were of age, who were adults uh, in their 20s up to 30s who would allow him to use their car in return for sexual favors. Mm-hmm. So he's a, a minor having sex with grown women. And, you know, we know that that's illegal. But a lot of times, once again, our culture, because it's like, well, men are being men. Sex is just <laughs> something for men, you know. Yeah. We don't consider the fact that he's a youth. So at some point there's a cutoff. And of course, if we flip 
the gender roles and there was a 28 year old man sleeping with a 15 year old girl, then we would be up in arms about it. But a lot of times we just overlook it when it's boys because we assume that they're ready. Uh, so I think one thing I would add is for those of us who may have gone, gotten uh, sexually active at an early age is one thing. I think if you were doing that with uh, people the same age as you, but I do think there's a level to uh, a victimization that is evident when there's an adult doing that with a child. And some of us may not may not consider that if it's a woman doing it to us, we don't consider it an issue and don't realize it until later. So I think that's one one aspect of trauma that we don't label trauma. Uh, another, I would say also is uh, we don't recognize how uh, a lot of times fatherlessness. A lot of times, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, but yeah. uh, it's become so normal for dads to not be in the picture. And this is not knocking all fathers at all, because I can hear the people now, whatever the case may be. Yes, there are several active, present black fathers. Yes. But the the uh, the opposite is also true. There are a lot that aren't there. I have so many friends. I myself had an absentee father. So I think we've gotten so used to grinding and hustling and just focusing on moving forward that we never consider the effects that a father not being there has on us. I know so many guys who may not see it. I don't think people realize that insecurity is very loud, whether they realize it or not. And I'm in certain meetings, I'm in conversations, I'm at conferences, and I see guys who are typically very boastful, very arrogant, uh, very uh, showy. And a lot of times when that's unpacked, I found that some of the men that do the most are the ones that have something to prove and they have mm -hmm. something to prove because they weren't affirmed by a father in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think guys realize this. They think it's just them being confident or arrogant. But in many cases, I know some psychologists would point out that it's a level of overcompensation that's being done to fill a void. Uh, so I would I would also add that, that that's something to look into, you know, don't yeah. just say, well, he wasn't there. I'm good. I ain't tripping. I'm good. You know, I'm good. You know, I, another post I see on social media quite a bit is black men will I'm good themselves into depression. And that's real. We I'm good. So many things Dad, uh mom died, never knew dad. First girlfriend cheated on you and you went to jail. Oh, I'm good. Like that could be somebody's story. And he would still say, yeah, I'm good. I'm so. Good. Those are two things I think are, are prevalent uh, aspects of trauma that we don't actually label trauma, though. What about you? No, I, I, I totally agree with both, with, uh, with, with both, man, um, especially when we talk about just the absentee father and how that impacts us. And, you know, I my, my dad wasn't in my life, uh, wasn't, you know, as active in my life. He was, you know, constantly in and out of jail and on drugs. And it wasn't until I got older that I realized uh, how that how that relationship, how that dynamic impacted me mm -hmm. and how it, you know, caused me to kind of to overcompensate in some regards, uh, whether it was being trying to uh, to be very uh, to be the best in everything that I did and wanted to always prove people wrong, prove, you know, prove my worth mm -hmm. uh, and everything. And I realized, like, dang, what I was trying to do was prove myself to my dad. 
Right. But I came out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I wanted to be the best at everything, right? Yeah. I wanted to, to know everything. I wanted to be the most accomplished. Right. And I thought it was for me, but it wasn't for me. It was mm-hmm. for I needed my dad to see that I I wanted that with him and mm-hmm. how not having that right uh affected me. Yeah. Um, and that's so, in the that's that's in the book actually as well. Uh that's in those introductory chapters about fathers. And I, I call it spiteful success, yeah, where man. there's a desire to really just kill it at life in order to prove, hey, well, you missed out. Look at where I'm at now. Um, and, and you you neglected this. So look at it. It's, it's an attempt to prove value. Uh, but really, you know, it's not really I don't think it, it's on the son. It's not his fault, because once again, ideally, the dynamic should have been a father doing that for you. So that if you are successful, fine. But even if you're not uh, what some other people deem a, a success, you still are affirmed in your identity and you see value in yourself and, you know, others see value in you regardless of what you do. Because I, what, I, what I found is it ends up making us take on the mindset that I am what I do or I'm, I am what I can accomplish or I am what I can produce. But what about when a pandemic hits and you can't produce you like you can't. used to? <laughs> so then your value decreases, yeah. right? That self-esteem decreases because you're not on, you're not able to, you don't see that you you can't produce, uh, you know, as as the volume that you used to. So like you said, you you don't see that value in yourself anymore because of you're not able to produce at that volume anymore. So that it's a slippery slope. You gotta be, you definitely gotta be careful with that narrative. I'm mm-hmm. working with a gentleman right now on the same thing. I'm working with him on the same thing, uh, 24-year-old uh, African-American male, and kind of his his worth is is tied into, uh, I guess, societal expectations, where you should be from a societal standpoint. And because mm-hmm. he's not there, then he doesn't see himself as valuable, you know, as worthy. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a slippery slope, and we definitely got to be careful with trading those waters. Um, so some of the things I see that we probably... Uh, don't necessarily look at as as trauma um i would say uh violence you know violence yeah. in, in the home right mm-hmm. violence in the home it's, it's one of those things where I, I grew up in a house where i saw a lot of violence with my siblings and it was it was all all the time it was just another just reoccurring thing. And then living in the projects and growing up in the projects, there was always fighting. There was always gunshots, right? Mm-hmm. It was always gunshots. And what happened is that be- because it became the norm, we didn't see it as traumatic. We didn't see it as, 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 as something that was trauma-related. But you take that same, that same type of narrative and... You flip it to the military population, right? Mm-hmm. When they experience that sort of violence, trauma, gunshot, people being killed, it is labeled as trauma, all right? But for us and our culture, in our society, it is labeled as just the norm, and we see it as just the norm. Yeah. And so it's only hurting to, us. Exactly. Exactly. We got to be able to identify that. Uh, I watch, uh, I have some of my clients, some of my teenage clients watch, um, uh, the therapist on YouTube, and if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, this therapist, I cannot uh, think of his name right now, is a black therapist. 
Um, and he's interviewing people like Jody Badass, uh, Wale, uh, T Grizzly, Chief Keith, uh, Joe Button. I mean, he's interviewing all of these celebrities, all of these rappers. Um, and all every one of them talk about the things that they experienced they didn't know was trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, just that experience from the violence, seeing the drug deals, they didn't see that as being traumatic. Yeah. But as they got older and they started to think about it, it's like, dang, like, yeah, that, that is trauma. That that what I experienced was trauma. All right. And to to cat to to piggyback off uh the, the initial thing that you stated about um their earlier sexual experiences with someone of older age. Um Charlemagne uh speaks about that often about when he was young and his babysitter uh being an adult him having sex with a babysitter and at the time of course in our generation yeah we that's a cool thing to do that makes that's that's the macho thing right mm-hmm. yeah yeah you got some but as you got older you realize like holy crap like i was sexually abused right like I, that was actually sexual abuse so being able to acknowledge those things within our community and, and to be able to say you know what these things are traumatic mm-hmm. right for for the little boys that that are hearing this, and for the parents that are, that are hearing this, these things are traumatic and can and sometimes will impair and in, impact uh, that young man's ability to live a productive life. And we got to be careful with that exposure. Uh, and if things like that have happened in the past, we got to be we got to be proactive and not reactive, and and we got to give them the support that they're needing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Well, man, I think we've we've covered quite a bit. We've covered a lot. I hope this really gets gets out to the masses because uh, I've been seeing cycles for so long that I really want to see change for for our community specifically. You know, I get a lot of flack uh, for having an organization that is a uh, black male focused. I think people people do get upset about that. But I think when you understand the uniqueness of the experience you will understand the need for the uniqueness of the resources being focused in a specific way. Uh, And a big part of that is what we've discussed today. So thank you for joining me again. Uh, For anybody that wants to connect with you, please give them your website, social media handles, all that, so they can connect with you if they uh, uh, just have some more questions about what we discussed or may be interested, maybe in the area and may want to come into your office for sessions after the pandemic passes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or maybe you need to start immediately and can do online because I know you're doing telehealth as well. So people Absolutely. can still do sessions with you through video conferencing. So go ahead and let them know how to how to connect with you. Absolutely. You can reach me on pretty much all social media platform. Um, often on 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 Instagram at weclimbcc.com. That's W-E-C-L-I-M-B-C-C. Uh, so that you can follow me on, on, on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook. You can email me at weclimbcc at gmail.com. Uh, check my website out, weclimbcc.com. Uh, mm-hmm. Just send me an email, contact me. I'm, I'm, I'm accessible. I'm open. Uh, we do have telehealth sessions. Uh, so if, if you're needing support, definitely reach out to me. You can also find us on uh, uh, the C-Bull, which is the Counseling Brothers of Atlanta. It's a group of Black male therapists out here in Atlanta. So we're we're here. If you're looking for a black male therapist, uh, find us at the CBOA on, on on Instagram. 
Perfect. Thank you for your time. This has been the Whole Brother Mission Podcast. Thank you.